G'day everyone and welcome to episode 46 of XBAN, the Phantom Podcast, brought to you from the team here at Chronicle Chamber. Remember, if you'd like to support Chronicle Chamber with our costs that we have for our podcast or website hosting fees, please make a donation using the Patreon button, which is located at the top right-hand corner of the Chronicle Chamber website at www.chroniclechamber.com. Right above our social media links, where you can get in contact with us on Instagram, Google+, Twitter, and of course our two Facebook pages, Chronicle Chamber and Phantom Collector, which has been a fair bit of action on lately, uh, but more on that later. Also, please don't forget to let the estate of Steve Jobs know how good we are and give us a give us some good ratings there on iTunes. Joining me as always from across the Nullarbor, the very smug Eagle supporter Jermaine. How you going there, mate? Not bad yourself, mate. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. And yeah, um, good. very well done, done, mate. Really so, like the intro. Uh, thanks. <laughs> and I don't think I want a Brisbane twin so much um, than I do this weekend. Dan, how are things up north? Oh, not too bad, mate. I've got. Uh... I've, I've had a good day, uh, left, right, and centre, so no, it's been good. Excellent. Okay, so and, and it has been a good day. Everyone who's um, who's listening to this episode, I'm sure, have listened to episode 45 where we um, interviewed Sam, Sammy J and his mate uh, Duncan, and um, uh, Dan earned the uh, the title of the Ghost Who Stalks, um, <laughs> and. Since then, there's been a bit of toing and froing on the email, seeing who was the uh, the the biggest phantom nerd or phantom fan, nah, phantom nerd uh, <laughs> during their adolescence in the '90s. And well, I always thought you're going to be skull marked um, by the end of this week. I thought Sammy J had your number, but um, no, the, the the judges' gavel has gone the other way there, Dan. Uh, I'm as I'm as surprised as anyone, uh, Stephen. I really am. Um, I thought that Sammy J had me absolutely covered with his uh, with his pictures of his bedroom and the stories of meeting um, Judith Shepherd and uh, and all the rest of it. But, but um, thankfully, my my research skills came to the fore, and I found a found a forum letter um, uh, late in the late in the in the trial, so to speak. And presented some evidence at the last minute that uh, seems to have somehow swayed me over the line. So um, I do, yes, have the dubious honour of being declared the uh, biggest fandom nerd as an adolescent in the 90s. So, um, <laughs> so whoop-de-doo. How is that all that uh, decided there, Dan? How did you become the, the biggest fandom nerd, just to, so the listeners know what's going on? Uh, well, I'm sure they will have had the chance by now. If they haven't, they should go back and have a look at Chronicle Chamber to to see the uh, the trial unfold via the emails as as it happened. But uh, the 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 key seems to have been a, a letter I sent to Jim Shepherd in 1993, correcting a message from the publisher that he had written in a previous uh, issue, um, referring back to a comic from six years earlier. And um, Duncan seems to have been seems to have been impressed with that. So, um, as I say, it's a dubious honour and uh, one that I'm not sure that I'm worthy of. My wife has offered to do me up a plaque to hang in the skull cave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that we'll go that far. <laughs> so, I, I know justice is blind. What is it? Justice is blind. I didn't know they were dumb as well. Um, <laughs> You know, Duncan's going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I thought you were. I thought you had no chance to be honest, but I reckon the winner was uh, you trying to pick up a girl by ordering milk and then excitedly, 
explaining to her why you're drinking milk instead and you never spoke to her again. Now, in my books, that is the king of all nerds. Unlike Sammy, who put away the Phantom for a girlfriend, as the evidence kind of showed. So yes. I think that might have had, in my opinion, that's probably what swayed it in your, in your direction. Quite possibly. Well... I, um, I'll have to go back in time and shake the hand of 18-year-old me who thought that uh, sidling up to the bar in a nightclub and ordering a milk to show off to a girl was a good idea. And um, yeah, it possibly, possibly it was my explanation to her of what I was doing um, that ended that very brief relationship. <laughs> so you, you didn't try that out again on, on um, your wife? Back when you were... no, 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 I can't say that I did. <laughs> I, I learnt my lesson from that time. <laughs> but it was it was an entertaining contest between Sammy and myself, and, and I hope that people have uh, enjoyed or, or will enjoy going back and reading through the uh, through the email banters. He's a very funny man, Sammy J, and um, I particularly enjoyed enjoyed his diary entry that uh, he submitted. Uh, <laughs> I think anyone who reads that uh, is just going to have an absolute chuckle. Yeah, it was a lot of fun getting the, getting the email updates. Just about every morning, there was something new. <laughs> it, it became quite serious. <laughs> it, it, it. About but, um, three or four hours, we got a reply. We got a, uh, an update. <laughs> Some of us can't always sit on our computers all day, though. So <laughs> I had to get the morning edition and just catch up. <laughs> I love the fact that uh, it's driven Sammy up into his attic uh, and opening garbage bags that he's obviously had sealed for a decade, dragging out stuff to uh, <laughs> to show to the show to the judge. <laughs> yeah. He's um, you're really doing his head, and you know he's got a show to prepare for. <laughs> I hope that being the uh, biggest adolescent fan of um, of the '90s wasn't a key cornerstone of his of his show. <laughs> 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 it's just demoralised him and he's ruined half an hour of his, of his whole... <laughs> he's he's going to have to rewrite all that material. Yeah. <laughs> we might not get that song from him either now because you are... <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging out for that. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, we'll, we'll all, we all having a bit of fun and all in a good mood. I've, I've got a bit of news to share with you guys. Yes. Yeah, want to hear it? You went, you went real silent there. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> even, even if we said no, you would still tell us. So oh, well. Go ahead, mate. Now, now you, you, may, um, you may have heard that I'm a bit of an um, Alex Saville fan. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Yes, yes. I, I listen, listen to, to the, the podcast, podcast, mate, yes. Listen to the podcast. I may have mentioned it once or twice. Well, a great fan of, a great friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Paul Maloney, he's heard, heard me um, say this once or twice, got in contact. And um, I now have a page of original artwork by the one Alex Saville. Ooh, nice. Oh, well done. First bit of original um, artwork, and I'm very stoked about it. It's a page has from... The, um, sorry? Has the bug bitten? Are you going to get more artwork now? Uh, not at the moment, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the wallet says later on. <laughs> um, so so which page... What is it? So it's a page from, um, well, in the through issues, it's um, uh, number 1420, uh, The Phantom Man or Myth. Um, it was produced, it was published in 2005. Um, it was originally an, an Egmont story, of course, and I think it was published around about the same year. Uh, I don't have the issue to hand, though. 
Um, and yeah, it's when um, uh, the Phantom, just as Mr. Walker, he walks into a um, museum there with the devil, as you do, you always walk into a museum with a wolf. Um, but yeah, walks into the ex- um, exhibit, and um, yeah, it's just chock a block with um, Phantom idols, for lack of a better word. And um, I was really happy to, to, to get this page. I, I know there's no actual Phantom in it. Um, I did have a choice of a couple of other pages, but I, I picked this page um, because I remember reading the story and when uh, Mr. Walker and Devil walk into the exhibition, um, Devil actually has a speech mark or you know a, a, a thought bubble or something there. <laughs> he, has, he actually has a line of dialogue <laughs> as if to, you know a confused line of dialogue. I thought that was pretty funny, so I went with the um, went with the page that made me laugh, and so now I'll. I'll Try and get up on the wall somewhere, and you can always have a bit of a chuckle at it. Definitely, it's um, yeah. No, I, I remember that. I remember that that panel as well. It's it's, it's very iconic. Um, are you going to do anything particular about the uh, about the artwork? You're going to frame it, or um, yeah, I, I plan on um, on framing it, and I'll try and get the um, I'll do a photocopy of the cover of, of, of the um, of the comic, and yeah, I might do a um, like a little. A thumbnail or something, just to um, to fit in the frame with it. So 2005, you could probably pick up a, a spare copy of that for two or three bucks and, and put the whole comic in there rather than a photocopy. It's got no money left after buying the art. <laughs> I need a bigger frame. <laughs> I don't know much, how much wall space I'm allowed to take up. <laughs> so how, how big is the how big is the artwork? Have... What's a Savio original look like? It's around about A3. Right. It seems a little bit narrower and maybe a little bit longer, but if you've got A3 in your head, you've got the size of it. But yeah. uh, I got a bonus with it. I really wasn't expecting this. and um, um, So thank you very much, Paul. I'll give you another shout-out here on the podcast. So um, he's thrown in a, um, a coloured print of Savilks. It's um, a phantom riding on Hero with um, Devil by his side chasing after, oh, I'm guessing... He's riding into a, to, to danger there in the deep woods, and got the skull cave in the background. And the clouds have got a nice skull. It's a it's a really cool print, and so um yeah, I'm a, I'm a very happy fan at the moment. Excellent. As you should be, mate. As you should be. Art's very dangerous because it uh, uh you get one piece and then you tend to want more. So um good luck with all of that. Thanks. So when you say that, Jim, how many uh, what sort of um, artwork collection do you have? Um, not as much as the man that uh, uh, Stephen brought the original artwork yes. from, and Paul. He's probably got the biggest, the most impressive that I've seen. But I've I've got I've got a couple of covers. Um, uh, no no Australian covers yet. I have got one from Turkey and I got one from um, uh, Egmont. And then I've got you know some internal arts and and, and stuff like that. Probably. Oh, Probably twenty, probably twenty, thirty pieces of of uh, sketches or internals and covers and stuff like that. So, so it does yeah, get addictive. So it does get addictive because, like, as as I'm sure Stephen will be able to tell, like, you, it is a piece of art. You know, it's not it's not a, a page of a comic that you flick through and read when you get it. And you can see whether it's the pencil lines behind it yeah. and the way they've arc, uh, 
inked it and then they might put white out over it and whether they've done speech bubbles and you know it, there's a lot of work that goes into it yeah the, the, as you're saying that there's, there's plenty of spots where the um where the white out's been on this one um <laughs> you can only just see a bit of pencil work i suppose looking really carefully but um yeah the, the, the um the white out's quite obvious yeah the only the only piece I've got is a Cy Barry Sunday from the mid '80s sort of thing that I got off his website last year or the year before. I've mentioned that before on the podcast, but uh, yeah, again, uh, I've got that framed and up on the wall, and you can just look at that for for ages. Um, as you say, mm. where's the cleanup happened, and and where are the faint pencil marks and all of that sort of stuff? Some of the um, publishers or the I don't know who's written the little notes in the margins and that sort of thing about stuff, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating getting that behind the scenes look, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yep. So, um, oh, very oh, good. So, no wonder you're so chuffed, Stephen. Oh man, I'm boasting it to anyone who who happens across my path, whether they want to hear it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this might be a good opportunity to uh, for the listeners, if um, yeah, you want to boast about any any new acquisitions that you've got, that you guys have got, or um, anything that might be a, a, a favourite piece. Um, get in contact with us here at um here at Chronicle Chamber or the Expand, and um, yeah, we might give you a little five minute spot on the um on the, on an upcoming podcast just for you to to talk about your favourite piece or, or the latest thing that you that you've got. What do you, what do you uh, blokes reckon? Yeah, no, definitely, it's a great idea because um I know as a fan, I love listening and getting jealous of what people have picked up and you know and, and learning about new stuff, the stuff that you haven't know, known of before and the story behind, sometimes the story behind getting the piece is almost more intriguing than the actual item. So, um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some, um, hearing some more stories. Yeah, for sure. A little, uh, a little regular Collector's Corner segment is uh, would be a great addition to the podcast, I think, and um, whether people want to record a five-minute spiel and and just tell us a bit about you know what it is that they've gotten and why did they chase that particular thing how long or, or why have they um you know where'd they get it from and a little bit of that story as you said um that'd be great if they want to send five minutes of uh mp3 or mp4 into into us to add to the add to the show or, or um if people are more comfortable perhaps they can get in touch and one of the three of us can um hit them up on skype and we'll have a have a quick chat about about what they've got and um, share that story with all the listeners because, like you, I love hearing stories about what people have got and um, most fans do, I think. Yeah, definitely. And the beauty about fan collecting is that almost everyone's got something that someone else doesn't have. Yes. So, well, no well, there's that page now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> ah, righty So shall we go on to the comics now, fellas? I reckon, mate. I heard, um, uh, Dan, have you got your run-up ready? Yeah, I've, um, I've plugged the long cord into the headphones today, so I've just, um, I'm backing up from the computer now, going to the opposite wall, uh, about to come in off the long run um, on some of the plot twists and turns over the next couple of fruits. Don't wake up your kids. Um... <laughs> <laughs> There's been a bit too much of that lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for those listening, this is actually our second attempt at um, recording this one, but um, we won't get into that. At the <laughs> for once, it wasn't my child. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. 
Anyway, so um, since our last podcast, we've had uh, three issues from through, 1758, 1759, and 1760. Um, so how would you like to do this, fellas? You'd like to go um, the main stories in 1758 and 59, and then do um, Heart of Darkness, or... Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah that makes sense. Okay. And then we can do um, my favourite through series, the Replica series. And and you'll be coming in off your own long run for that one, I imagine. Uh, Well, I've got something special in reply to that. Okay. Very good. So (laughs) you'll hear there's going to be a few rants tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure sure Fru have probably just gone, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear Dudley and and Glenn uh, groaning and moaning and coming up with nicknames. (laughs) <laughs> we're already without the focus and, and then the uh, postmodernists who, who dislike what they're trying to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to suffer. We, we are enjoying with them, but first let's get into the story. So, uh, 1758, Sing War Part 1, The Flying Dutchman, um, with the cover that looks like the fans hanging um, uh, <laughs> there. Doesn't it? Sandal, I thought that too. Sandal, yeah. <laughs> I thought, is he, is he holding a rope or was that a severed head? Or, you know, just, no, he's stringing her up. <laughs> yeah, just, you have to look twice to see that the rope actually goes all the way back to his other other fist there. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it's quite a striking cover. Like you, you, you open it up and you've got um, Dog Eye on the back there and the, and the, and the jet um, steering towards um, Doom. But um, So, yeah, it was a great eye-catching cover as soon as you, as soon as you open it. Um, but what about the story inside, fellas? So it's called The Flying Dutchman, and, um, well, um, Dan, you're, you're an English teacher. What's the significance of the title? Uh, Flying Dutchman, um, well, it's probably, it, it refers to the um, the Dutchman ship, the ghost ship that was apparently sailing the seven seas for, for many, many years uh, with no crew and just a, a, a boat sailing around all by itself, and um, that... As obviously um, comes through in the story when we have a, a flying Dutchman, a, a, a aircraft that is sailing, uh, sailing through the air, flying through the air, um, with the crew all fast asleep and um, no one at the helm, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, so the plane's really been hijacked, hasn't it? Correct. Correct. And um, uh, Dog Eye's behind it. Am I pronouncing that? It sounds like Dog Eye or Do- Dog A. I, I always say Dog Eye myself. Oh. Dogai is what I say in my head. What do you do, Jim? Um, Dogai. I don't really think it matters that much. I think there's more important <laughs> things to talk about this story than how to pronounce um, the old fart's name or the <laughs> Phantom's uh, father and all. Well, we'll get onto that. Yes. <laughs> that, that's in the next issue. It's, it's, don't really touch yes. on this issue, but... Um, so, look, so, look. If I can, if I can just say about this, this half of the story, I actually don't mind it. I, right. I think it's a really, it's a really well written story. Um, as a, as a whole um, narrative, I think it's really well done. Um, I think I, I, I genuinely enjoy stories of the Sing. I think we see too few of them, um, and the the way that. They've become a corporation, and and Dogai's not happy with how Sandals handling handling the presidency, and he doesn't see that as being truly evil enough, and all the rest of it, and the way that he wants to approach 
uh, getting getting her out of that position, um, the setup of the of the the hijack to to drag everything out, and um, I think the I think the plot is 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 genuinely entertaining. Um, so do I. It's, um, yeah, a little, uh, what's the word? Political intrigue, or you know, it would make a great it would make a great movie. You know, you, you see mm-hmm. them in spy films and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, the amount of crossing and double crossing that, that's happening is um, fantastic. Well, you don't need oh, to yeah. decide. Yes. Well, you still don't really know who's on whose side, even after part two. But like, that's right. It's but you're right. The the amount of if you haven't read if you haven't read it, don't read the message from the publisher until after you've read the story. Yeah. yeah. Um. <clears throat> and put yes. aside the fact that um uh, that the artist knows nothing about cricket. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've just turned to that page now. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got to, got to mention that because, um, yeah, you may yeah. need to see how many, how many errors can you spot in it? Um, all right, let's um, go from... Two, three. <laughs> well, actually, if I look at that panel, it looks a lot like the Australians playing against Sri Lanka at the moment. <laughs> pretty well, much the same tactics. <laughs> I'm glad I haven't seen that. We've got oh, the Swift Fielders wearing pads, the bowler wearing pads. Probably up looks at him. And a helmet, yeah. Um, the the short, what was it? The short, Sim- mid, short mid-wickets facing the wrong way. Yeah. Um, the batsman's uh, standing on off stump and exposing his uh, left. And then the batsman on the, um, the non-facing Striking. batsman isn't, um, yeah, non-striker is not uh, backing up correctly. He's, <laughs> he's, he's halfway back towards the boundary. <laughs> yeah, he's already finished for tea. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get a hot scone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm, I actually talked to Andreas about, um, uh, about that. I said, oh, there's a few flaws with cricket and he goes... And he goes, no one at Egmont knows anything about cricket. Cricket's, cricket's an exotic game for everyone in Sweden or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, so, you know, he's not surprised there's a few little errors in it. But um, it was, I think it's the, I think, I thought it was interesting because in the past, um, this is getting totally offside the, uh, uh, the actual story, but in the past, it's always been soccer or American football. Mm. Um, which is interesting because no one plays American football outside of America. Um, and so if you put aside that, you've got probably cricket and soccer. So it's quite, it kind of indicates that this, that Bengala is actually an ex, um, England colonial, yeah, yeah, nation. So I thought that was rather interesting. Mm, it's a nice little tidbit just for the um, the well for the chronicles for the fan and history, you know. Yeah. Something they might yeah. delve into, but you know, give them an opportunity so, to into later. Yeah. What did you guys think about the um uh what's his name? Oh, I can't even remember his name. The the nep the, the nephew. The nep- Is it Rahak? Yeah. What's his Rahak? name? Yeah, Rahak. You know who um who's come out of the blue to uh is he would he be the first ever member of the Singh Brotherhood to get to the Skull Cave? Um no nah, well, did he there's... get to the Skull? Oh, yeah, he, yeah he, he turns up at the deep woods and um pleads for help and gets escorted into the Skull Cave. Oh, that's right, yeah. No, nah, he wouldn't be. Um 
there was a I don't know if you remember, but there was a Lee Fork story in the mid nineties uh, called John John Carr's Crown. That's where uh, John Carr's name gets changed like a few times during the story. Like um, there was actually it was actually I'm pretty sure there were um, uh, there's there was that time, and then there's been another time where Sing Pirates. In oh, that's the story. Um, oh, with the Kate Somerset saga, where the Sing Pirates actually take cannons and stuff to attack the Skull Cave. So it wouldn't be the first time that's that. Um, pot, oh, I only uh, just read that one recently. Was that a, an old issue that I picked up, or was that a recent issue that was published? No, it's an older it, issue. Yeah, fairly old, probably five years or so. Yeah. So no, it wouldn't be the first time. That uh, sing pirates or have gone to the skull skull it's, it's it's still an interesting uh, plot to and you know and it speaks to Rahaku's not two faced he's about four faced the amount of times he <laughs> flip flops and all the rest of it. Um, it's interesting that uh, Garan flat out warns him you know this is this is a clearly a plan to lure you into a trap sort of thing and the Phantom says yeah probably it is but I'll still get along and see what's going on. Um, and then falls straight into the trap anyway. So, um, you know, turns his back on Rahak and, and lets himself get whacked over the back of the head. Yeah, but that has to be a bit of a... Um, if there is a, a shortcoming with the 21st Phantom, um, apart from what we're going to discuss in part two, um, the fact is that he is very trusting, probably mm. to a fault. Mm. That's, that's, that could be a thing to say. Um, well, before we move on to the next part, we um, mentioned earlier the, um, the message to the publisher, not to, not to read that, a message from the publisher, I should say, um, not to read that first. Um, and sorry, um, Dudley, but this is going to be a bit of a criticism. Um, you seem to give away a, a few too many plot points in, the, um, in your little message there, mate. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, I agree. I it's really... almost a... It's almost a plot summary that he that he's written yeah. in some of these. So, um, as, I suppose as long as you're, um, I think what you're about to say there, Jermaine, is flick over the message and, and get straight into yeah. the story and maybe come back to it. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, and I think I've trained myself because Dudley isn't the first publisher of Free to ruin a plot or an issue with the message of the publisher. Um, it's there's been some very uh, there's been a few others that have done it as well so I just trained myself that I just read the comic and then I read the publisher yeah well I hadn't been trained but um because <laughs> and I've been noticing yeah I'm sure your wife says the same that you haven't been trained <laughs> but yeah I had been noticing you know with, with more recent issues and um yeah it just seems to be giving away a little bit too much of the plot and then I think it was you who posted on Facebook, read the story, then read the message from the publisher. And I'm glad I did because um, reading the story and seeing the, the, the cross and double cross there um, was fantastic. But if I'd read the message from the publisher and knew that it was coming, the effect would be lost. Yeah. Well, some people like to know the end of the story before they, before they actually watch the thing. Um, 
Those people are weirdos. Guilty. And well, uh... I've, I've been guilty of, um, you know, when you're watching a TV show or something, wanting to know what the twist at the end is so you can prepare yourself for it and then you can judge it with the full knowledge of how it was all planned and all that. So I've been known to do it. But, um, I've tr- yeah, I, when it comes to reading the comic, fan comic, um, I'm a purist like you guys for once. Um, and I tend to skip over that. However, I have another criticism with the story this time, and that is that I really wish that the author and the artist didn't show that um, Sandal was kidnapped just before the plane went into the palace. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that could have been no. a really good setup for Chapter 2, couldn't it? Great, yeah, because... Yeah, and, like... I, you know that she's going to come back and all that because she's like a cockroach. She just, you know, <laughs> is always around. And then no matter what you try and do, they're, they're still there. But it would have been nice to see that, you know, to be along with the Phantom and Dogar seeing, thinking that she is dead and then not, you know, waiting till part two or until you flip to the back of the cover of part two and see her having a child. Um that, you know, you're not sure whether she is alive or what's happened to her and stuff like that. So that's probably my only negative about the whole story is that you kind of know about. And I also felt that was the problem with the Diana's death storyline in the newspaper as well. It would have been a lot better if we didn't know she was in prison until much later as well. I think Phantom fans need to be strung along a little bit better. <laughs> um, and what do we think of the artwork? Well, you told us about the story, Tony, but what, what about the the artwork? I like it. I, I think it's, um, yeah, I like it. I, I, I've always liked his artwork. It's um, art that works well in black and white as well as colour. Yep. Yeah. Um, although his... Been get, he'll be getting on. He'll be getting on a bit. I mean, Caesar Spadari. How how old is he? Well, he's been doing stories before I started collecting, and I was, you know, I've been collecting since '95. I think he's been doing them since the '80s or early '90s. So oh, you never know, and we'll we'll obviously talk about this when we talk about Phantom's World. But Angelo Tadoro is apparently um, doing covers now for stories he <laughs> drew 50 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I reckon it's a great story, but I want to get on to part two. Let's, let's, so, so part Steve, two. Should we, let, like, should we let, like, Dan have the first Well, I don't, um, think, I don't think I'm on my own. Stephen, you sort of suggested that you weren't entirely happy with uh, some nah. plot events here. Uh, I'm not, and, um, and I've written this down too so I don't stuff up, just like I did with the introduction. Um, All right, well, I'll let you guys go first, and then I'll play devil's advocate, and um, you know, like, and, and, and then go from there. Okay, right. So, issue seventeen fifty nine, the Sing War Part Two, which is uh, Rodea Gate, uh, which is of course a, a play on words with um, uh, in regards to the Watergate scandal. Um, so, of course, continues on from the last issue where Sandal has escaped the plane crash, and Dog Eyes Men have whisked her away. Um, there's a real. I'm going to, I've got a whole little bit of a review here, and you guys no, that's good. chime in whenever you want. Um, there's a real sense of a race against time with this story. As Dog Eye, uh, Rahux, and the Phantom are all are all chasing each other, 
Um, as of that, Sandow is now well and truly in the throes of labour, and Dog Eye's men are at a loss as to what as what to do. Uh, Dog Eye and Rahak uh, both get wind of the impending birth and make a beeline for the hideaway. While all this is uh, going on, Sandow's political career is in ruins, hence the title Rodeo Gate, and some sneaky Singh has tipped off the press to all of her shoddy dealings with the Rodeo government and the apartheid regime. So even if she survived the plane attack, the public would be baying for her blood. Um, now, with that sort of intro, it sounds like I like the story. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> all of that is great. In fact, Those things are good. Hey, yeah, I reckon that's awesome. But I hated this story. Okay. I, I really okay. think that the Sing Pirates really need to have like um need to give some of their pirates uh, some um uh doctor lessons and stuff like that as well. <laughs> well, actually, I thought that they were um, quite, getting... quite inept. Yeah, but, I, but them going to get Doctor Axel and bringing him out of the the jungle hospital to to deliver the baby, I thought that was a that that. Uh, was was a nice nod to the Lee Fork history, and and he's certainly done that a thousand times, Doctor Axel. So I liked I liked that bit. Mm. Yep, that was good. Now, <laughs> mm. I can't say what I really think about this story because we like to keep it clean here. But um, I feel that what Ramirez has has done is nothing short of character assassination. Okay, I'm, I'm going all out here. Big words, big yeah. claims. You can see I wrote this down. <laughs> <laughs> now, before I go get going on that, all right, I'll talk about the art first. All right. Now, usually I've been a supporter of Bade's, is that how you pronounce his name, Bade or Bade's art, but um, I didn't like this. I thought it was a little bit rubbish. It wasn't that rubbish, um, but he did a rubbish job on the characters' faces at this one. Um, on many occasions, a lot of them look cross-eyed, um, which... Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a fair call. Like um, I know that um, Sandal. I'm, I'm looking at some pictures of Sandals of Sandal now, where she's largely cross-eyed. Yeah, and yeah. Like now I know. Now I know women. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Women usually aren't the most glamorous just after giving birth, especially in the jungle. But she does look a lot uglier than um. Than she, and I'd, I'd be willing to... And in the movies, they, they tend to look fine. But I'd be re- willing to accept that if it was just her and it was just, you know, in these labour scenes. But there's a there's a fair few of the goons and, and what have you and, and Rahuk as well at one stage. And you mentioned before um, that other... Uh, who was it? Uh, Spadari, whose artwork um, works well in both black and white and colour. No, I haven't seen the colour um, issue of this. But I, I reckon this would have worked better in colour than it does in black and white. Um, th- yeah, there's just been a a, a few things. Um, so, uh, the skull throne there was on, on page oh, six and seven. I, I made my little notes. Um, if I just turn back to it now. Yep. So yeah, on the skull throne, um, there just seems to be a lot of unnecessary lines, um, which in in my colour issue it might be good as texture, but here in black and white, it looks like someone spilt milk all over the throne. Um, also, I don't think Belim's injuries transferred well to black and white. Um, it just looks like a bit of a smudge. Um, yeah, or a tumour growing off his head, I don't know. But I, I didn't like it. It's just... I'm know. getting that impression. Yeah, but having said that, the scenery and, and stuff, that's all fantastic. But 
when you're reading it, you're kind of looking at it. You're drawn to their faces and, and what have you. And um, that was a bit of a letdown. And I'm usually a, a fan of Bade's art, um, but I wasn't on this one. Um, however, I think that might be story-driven as well. What's that? Oh, well, I didn't like the pictures because I didn't like the story, and so therefore I didn't like anything. Ah, yeah. No, I'll, 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 I'll try to find positives. Um, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was hard when you didn't like what I'm about to say next. Um, which is back to the character assassination, and I, and I really can't get past it. Um, it's enough to turn a fan focused. That's how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, All yeah. the focus around the world, guys. Yes, another one in our cult. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed... Well, now you understand where we're coming from. <laughs> yes. Now, the Phantom for me has always been this pure hero. Right? Someone that everyone could look up to. He's flawless. He's a family man. He's the 21st proprietor of the family business. He has a loving wife and two adorable kids. Heck, he even fostered a child who turned out to be the ruler of Baron Khan. Right, so for him to be taken advantage of by Sandal and be the father of her child churns my belly. How the hell, even if you are the Phantom, be attacked by a panther, be delirious with fever, but still had the fortitude to you know, think of your own euphemism there. Um, also, I found to see how he could not know that Diana was Sandel, or Sandel, however you want to say it. Um, surely his love for her is stronger than some mere jungle fever. All right, it's a crap storyline and worse plot device to set up for future Phantom Sing battles. Um, now I know Hollywood seems to be to love their flawed heroes at the moment. Um, unfortunately, the fans don't like them. You can see all the criticisms about Batman versus Superman if you want. Um, if you want to take it any further, and but I don't. Okay, maybe it makes them more human relatable, but that's the exact opposite of why people like superheroes in the first place. All right, they're more than hero. They're, I mean, they're more than human. They're heroes, and our boy the Phantom is the best of them. So to see him brought down to some adulterous Watchmen level, and that's re- reference to the uh, to the comic there, is heart wrenching and pathetic. And I would like to see the end of it. Rant over. Oh, I could not agree with you more, Stephen. Like you, you said, um, he was taken advantage of. Let's call a spade a spade. She raped him. Um, is yeah. what happened, um, and that's it. Doesn't tie in with any of that image of the Phantom that has been set up over 80 years. And um, I, I respect Ramirthi, um as a Phantom artist. Uh, sorry, as a Phantom author, he's the, the second most prolific Phantom author after Lee Fork and will probably overtake him at some stage the way that he's going but this arc that he's heading on at the moment and whether he's trying to send this towards the Empty Throne saga that uh, he's got established at the moment as well and trying to bring those together from either end um, I, I just I can't abide what's going on here at all and I know that um, you know it's a bit of flipping and flopping and maybe this isn't set in stone and I hope to God that it's not because you know the Belim tells him that tells the Phantom that Sandal is definitely carrying his child, and he's shocked as he as he should be. Sandal then says to the Phantom later on, "No, you're not. You're not the father. I just said that so that you'll come to my rescue." But as she turns away, um, and and as he walks away thinking, "Oh, I'm not the father," um, she bursts into tears and that sort of thing. So there's that element of doubt, and then of course at the the close of the story where she's um, telling her 
telling her father as he goes into cryo-freeze, um, you know, the, your grandson that you're putting all your faith in is the, the phantom seed, then, you know, that's, it's beyond the pale for me. I'm, I'm not happy with this at all. And in terms of all of the things that Ramirthi has done, um, across the course of the last 20 years with the character stepping away from the fork tradition, this is this has got to be one of the worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, have you finished, Mike? Yeah, yeah, your turn. Oh, there's okay. more here. Oh, there's more turn. <laughs> All right, keep going. keep going. Oh, no, no, no. I'll, um, um, that, that's the, the key elements of it. Um, whatever it is you say now in defence of this, I'm going dis- to disagree with. I'll tell you now. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry, my dog's just attacking me. All right. <laughs> we'll go on to Henya Bade. Like, um, with, with Stephen, you know, brilliant artist. Uh, let's just put it in perspective. Uh, he was born in 1949, um, and he's done 40 years as an active fan of artist, so he is getting on a little bit. So um, I don't think it excuses his artwork. Um, and, you know, everyone, unfortunately, does go past their years by day, and I will have to say this is probably not his best. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I, I tend to agree with that, but I just wanted to kind of put that into perspective as well for a balanced argument. Okay. okay. Like, like, like I said, I usually like his artwork. I didn't like it here. Yeah, and usually it does look good in black and white as well, where this one, yeah, it, it didn't transfer as, as much okay um all right first of all let's let's go with um all right let's go with where it originally happened there is actually no we don't see sandal and the phantom having sex all right we don't we see them kissing but that's as much as we see now it's implied they did to, to build up with this story. So, but, you know, in movies and books and, and all of those other types of stuff, you you know, there's stuff that's implied to be able to build the twist or to build the plot where it doesn't actually happen. So that's just the first thing. We are led to believe it is, but we can't really, really say that they did. Whether it was consensual or not, that's totally a different subject. Now... We've got to remember that uh, that Sandal's lover, whose name was Kevin, was murdered in front of her. So maybe the reason why she's crying is because that brought up some, um, what do you call it, uh, some memories of him dying in front of Sandal, protecting her. So just maybe that's why she was crying. And then... She does have a fairly, um, what would you call it? Uh, She's got a mean streak. She does have a mean streak, and she does have a very bitter relationship with her dad. And I could, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, um, you know, this doesn't happen to me. But, (laughs) you know, girls do know how to press their father's buttons to be able to get a reaction. And what better way of pressing her father's buttons by saying, guess what, you're a grandfather, and guess who the father is? Your worst nightmare. 
Now that is Sounds a pretty like good one. <laughs> but you got to admit that is a very good way of getting a reaction out of Dog Eye. Now, to be honest, I don't know, and I've asked people to try and find out whether this is actually the Phantom Sun or not. We are led to believe by the events, by the tears, by people saying it is, by Sandal saying to Dog Eye and stuff like that that it is the Phantom's child. But we, it's it's still up in the air. I was hoping this was actually going to solve that. But if anything, it's just really getting a really good reaction out of the Forkers and out of the traditionalists, which, in my opinion, is not a bad is not a bad idea. Mm. It's, a, it's a good thing getting. No, the, I, I can't agree with you there, Jim. Yeah. Like, okay, I've, hang on. I'll just yeah, go just on, want sorry. to say one. Thing. The Phantom is not the twenty first Phantom is not as clean skin as what everyone is led out to believe he is. All right, in comic books he has taken drugs, LSD. He has messed around with various women to be able to play on their emotions to be able to get the better of them. And he is killed. And you know, there's just a couple of examples at the top of my head. So he is not the clean skin as what people like to believe that 21st Phantom is. All right, so I've got about 16 points. To... <laughs> <laughs> so let the, the, the examples you've just mentioned there, like the Phantom taking LSD, I don't recall that story, and, and I'm, I'm at your, um, you know, I'll take you at your word there, but can you remind me, was that um, deliberately, right, I'm going to take LSD to see what that does, or I'm going to use recreational drugs, or was that, um, was he doped, or what was the, what was the context there? He it was dipped in a comic book and he ate it. Now, Deliberately fair, knowing knowing it to be yep, LSD. Yep. Okay. Now, to I'll... be fair, to be fair, and you know it was he was threatened, but still he did eat the okay. comic book that had LSD. Oh well, who amongst us has not done that? Next. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read a comic book dipped in LSD. <laughs> Well, that's slow enough. Um, you, you, you said about um, uh, manipulating the feelings of females to, to get past, ga- and that would be Sala and the Sky Band and, and all of those great female, um, all-female gangs, the Mermaids of Melo Straits, all those sorts of things. I accept that. Those are... Not, those are my, my counter-argument to that would be that those are pre-marrying Diana. Um, certainly since marrying Diana, um, we haven't seen those sort of storylines. So uh, perhaps that's a, a, a grey area, but um, I think that's a, a reasonably important point to make. Um, Fair enough. Killing people, I think it's... I, th- I would think that there's only three or four times in recorded history. And in fact, in this story, in The Flying Dutchman... No, it's in part two. It's in this story. He hmm. makes the point that I'm not going to kill someone. That's more your style, Dogot, where he says. Um, yeah, he doesn't kill Rahak. Yeah, on page 20. Um, so that in this story, they, they hearken back to um, that, that moral code of the Phantom. Look, to be honest, the fact that we're even talking about the Phantom having sex is, is not really something that I'm comfortable with. And I'm not approved by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in the past, the only time that we've we've even alluded to this is when the Phantom and Diana are at, are at Kilawee and we we pull back and 
we see a shot of the Jade Hut and we know that that's what's going on. But um, that's, you know, all of this talk about adolescent um, adolescent fans, that story would be something that I'd be comfortable with, you know, my son who's seven reading. I'm not comfortable with him reading this. Um, the Phantom... Phantom fans who are lifelong fans, for the most part, are people who picked the comic up as kids and, um, and have, have, have fallen for the character then and it becomes a lifelong obsession. Um, I'm, you know, as I say, I'm not a prude, but I'm not going to be giving my son this story to read any time in the next, you know, five or six years at the very least. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of other Phantom stories that you're probably not going to give him to read. Like you probably wouldn't give him uh, Phantom Goes to War because there's a lot of killing in there. There's a lot of uh, racial overtones, um, and you're not going to give that to a seven-year-old kid to read either. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a fair point. And there's other folk stories, uh, the Death Threat, 1989, where the Phantoms. Um, physically beating up people in custody, um, you know, and then you've got children being kidnapped, you've got uh, Diana being threatened and stuff like that. You're not going to be giving that to your seven-year-old kid to read either. And that was another folk story. So there there, there are stories that, that are, are good for younger kids, but there's going to be other stories that are not going to be good for, for younger kids. And it's just like, you know... And I don't think you could kind of use that as a as a as a reason why we shouldn't be exploring this. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that you said was that um, uh, it stirs up the forecasts, and that's not a bad thing. I you know I've been I've been talking to sorry just to get a reaction. Oh, of course, of course, but. As you know, like um, to do to do with the Phantom Archer, I've been speaking to some of the older Phantom fans, and um, when the the podcast that is the interview with Peter Kingston and, and Dietmar Lederwash go up, people can hear this for themselves. But the conversations I've been having with with people of that generation is that they no longer read the Phantom. There was a point for them where, and it might have been, you know, one of those stories that you've just mentioned, where they've gone, you know, what this is no longer the Phantom for me. I'm going to stop, and and my hero, my character, is always is is stuck where I want him to be. This is that sort of moment. This 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 sort of moment. If if Ramethi takes this through, and Sandal and this Sandal's child turns out to be the Phantom's son, that will stop people. There there will be an, a, a group of people who go, well, that's it. I'm done. I'll step away and I'll just enjoy the Phantom that I I know, and I'm not going to follow this one through. And and whether I, I, that can't be a good thing. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think that's a, a very valid point. But I think that's you know we'd label them the focus, right? We you know I will say this: probably eighty percent of every focus that I talk to or I have a relationship with don't read the don't read the current fan comics at the moment anyway. They may still buy them to be able to keep their collection and they still collect the fandom stuff and they're still involved in the fandom universe, but they're not actually reading the stories anyway. So I would argue that the majority, and I'm not saying all of them because I know you're a focus and you still read the stories and stuff like that, and, and you know, but a lot, the majority of the focus that I talk to do not currently read the stories even before 
this saga was around. And a lot of them, you know, it's because it's one, because they don't like the stories, they don't like Egmont, but also it's because, you know, like when we were talking to Sammy J, um, you know, the last podcast, for him, when Lee Fork died, that was when it when it, when it happened. With one of the um, people that you were doing the, um, the interview with, for them it was when Wilson McCoy uh, passed drawing, on. Yeah. For them, for, for that, you know, for that person, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but for them, that was when the Phantom stopped for them as well. So you were always going to get that. And, um, and you know, and it's a valid point that you're making, but a lot of Forkers don't read the stories anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. I, w- I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that, but, but they're not actually reading the comics. I don't know. I just there's a and people can check this out on chroniclechamber.com as well. There's a, an interview that's up there that um, uh, not Joe um, Joe put up. Paul Paul someone um, did an interview with um, Post Ramirthy in about 2006, and in that he talks about he actually previews the Empty Throne saga. Interestingly yeah. enough, but, yeah, I found that very interesting as well. Yeah, um, but in that he also talks about. Um, for him, the Phantom needs to be a, uh, and he uses the term soap opera. There needs to be a um, a long term plot, a long a long game, if you will. And and he makes the point, and I think it's a fair one, that the the character or the story stalled for long periods of time. And I, I think even Forkists would um, would acknowledge that. And and he sees the need to move things through. It, but but this is going too far for you. This is going too far for me. Um, yeah. And and if this is the Phantom Universe that Egmont is is going to create, then I hope to God King Features does not feature this. Like at the moment in the in the newspaper strip, um, the Phantom's hiking through the Himalayas with Kit, and Heloise is in New York with Diana, and it's all you know uh, moving towards a twenty second Phantom. The kid the kids are getting to that you know they're they're late teens, maybe nearly twenty, um, and they they're doing preparing for adulthood type things. Um, they don't need to to stoop to or, or to to go into this sort of area of um, oh well maybe we need to set up a uh, an opponent for Kitten Heloise who is actually their stepbrother and all of this sort of thing. I just I don't see the need for it. And and as Stephen said in in, in his rant, um, it, it it detracts from the character and it's not the Phantom that that, that I certainly um, have loved for the last twenty years. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But I think you got to take into account that we are not a hundred percent sure that this is actually the Phantom's kid. That, that's true. But to even, um, you know, to leave it open or to leave to, to leave that as a as a plot device, I'm still not comfortable with. It's still yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think you know, I, I don't think we're going to come to terms. In the space of a podcast, especially because you know uh, people have to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to listen to three blokes just rant and rave about it. <laughs> yeah, and, but I, I think it's I think it's you know I think it's good that you've you've had your say because you know that's why people listen to us is so we can actually have our say and that's why you're involved. But I also think it's we have to you know we've looked at both sides. We've looked at you know that. Mm. Yes, you know, like what you guys have said, but then we've also looked at the flip side where it's like, well, hang on, maybe it's not because of this and this and this and this. So I think, you know, as much as I love a good argument, I think, you know, we have pro- it's 
is probably the best of a, a wait and see. And if it does go down to the path of where this is the Phantom's child, you know, to be truthfully honest, I'm probably going to be in the same corner as you, where it's not the fandom that I loved, but to be, to be to be able to look at it as a whole, you you know, you have to, you know, you kind of have to look at it both sides and weigh it up and judge for yourself and stuff. Mm. And look, we may not know for years yet because um, I, I appreciate what Prue have done here in terms of putting these two uh, two stories. Um, back to back for us to, to be able to talk about the whole story, part one and part two together. Um, but uh, you know, I'm trying to find the reference now. But I think she, the, the, the whole incident that we're talking about, when you know, allegedly she raped him, um, was back in 1610 or something like that. And that's in 2011 that story took place. 1605. So, 1605. So yeah, so that is 2011. So that's five years ago. Um, the five years pregnancy. is a long time for the nine-month pregnancy to gestate, but um, it did take um, a bloody long time for Lee Fawkes Phantom to uh, propose to Diana and so on. So um, comic comic time moves slowly, mm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see how long we have to wait to find out how angry we need to be about this story. Yeah, uh, and, you know, to be honest, let's hope that, you know, that uh, the writer has taken us for a bit of a ride. We'll see. He's got runs on the board in terms of he's been through three presidents now in the period of time. Um, we'll see. But the president runs, to be honest, that Lubunga series was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to the Egmont universe. I don't like the Egmont universe, Jermaine. Well, don't read the stories like every other forecast. <laughs> Just buy the comics and store them away. But then what would I have to rant about? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Steve. Draw us back on the track. Well, (laughs) Well, he started this. What did you you think about the cover? (laughs) Part two. Um, I did like the cover of part two. I'm just going to open it up. It's very very un-Glenn Ford-like, in my opinion. Yeah, how so? Oh, they did say that um, he... Yeah, he's using the new software, Magnus Studio. Have you um, noticed the back page? What about it? Well, notice what, what colour the baby's wearing? Oh, purple. <laughs> <laughs> you said that just to get a reaction from Dan. And, and she's got a sing ring on as well to, as a counterbalance to the skull ring. Very nice. <laughs> um... But she looks evil too. <laughs> At least her eyes are okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Ford that's that's gone. But I I agree with what you say um, about the the Phantoms the front covers not as it's not the face of, of the Phantom that I'm used to Glenn Ford producing. He's certainly mm. you know caught him in the moment of the punch and the rest of it, but uh, very angry and the gritted teeth and all the rest of it. Um, it's a good look. I like it. He's ticked off. <laughs> now, when when I think of Glenn Ford, you know, I'm probably going to That's right. <laughs> when I when I like, I'm looking at one seven five eight and one seven five nine, and this is not a bad thing. But to be honest, I did not think this was Glenn Ford when I first saw it because the Glenn's normally I'm probably not going to be using the right words, but his lines are normally long, clean. 
minimalist type of lines where this one is probably almost the opposite. So I, th I thought it was, um, yeah, I, 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 admit, I was surprised when I saw the Ford signature and I thought, oh, this is Glenn Ford. And then when, when I saw the Magna Studio that he's been using, I, I thought, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good to see, you know, artists trying different things and stuff like that. I, I think it's good too. I've actually, I've been poring over 1758. I haven't been able to find the Ford signature. I was just thinking that myself, actually. Yeah, I was looking at it the other day. I couldn't find it. I'm still looking at it now. I still can't find it. Oh, Glenn Ford, where have you hidden it? <laughs> or have you, have you not put it in there to try and trick us? Yeah, which made me think, was it him? But no, it definitely looks like the way he does the Phantom. He's, so. he's certainly signed the signature series that I got. Yeah. This one. Uh, I remember as a kid, the best thing was, it was like a Where's Wally? I'm not saying that Glenn's <laughs> Wally or anything, but you know, <laughs> trying to find the Ford signature. Well, down here in Victoria, this used to have um, a cartoonist in the um, in the um, in the Sun. His name was Jeff Hook, and he always used to hide a little hook in his um, in his artwork, so you have to try and find it. So it's <laughs> finding um, a Ford signature is much the same, hmm. and it seems yeah. to be not only impossible in 1758. I reckon he's left it out to try and trick us. He's, he's going to be listening to this having a silent little chuck and say, ah, got him. That's right. That's it. He's what just a... spent five minutes talking about a signature that does not exist. It <laughs> <laughs> serves you right for everything you're about to say about the replica series. <laughs> wow. Well, do we want to talk about Heart of Darkness before you launch on that? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to have a rant. Well, you're ranting on Heart of Darkness or you're ranting on, on the... Uh... Nah, um... It's, I must admit, um, you know, I said at last episode that this chapter's taken a little bit longer to get into, but it's, um, it's still, it's, it's still really setting itself up, um, in my opinion. Um, but you know, I'm, um, I'm getting, I'm getting more and more into it. It's, it's definitely, um, Definitely setting itself up, and how many times does he have to fight an animal as well? It just happens to be another panther, I notice. Yeah, better be careful. I was reading this. Watch out, mate! You'll get delirious again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not with another child. You guys might be able to clear this up for me. I'm a bit confused with this about. The bad guys, so to speak. There seem to be. Is there two different bad guys, or is it the same guy who's just hypnotically looking like two? Or because you've obviously got Imhotep, who's your ancient Egyptian come to life, um, who's who's got the fire within him and all the rest of it in in 1759. But in 1758, on page 27, um, you've got the that is that's not Imhotep in another form, is it? Or who is that? Is that the writer, dude? No, that's the dude. So remember at the first... I oh, know, that's right, yeah. You, at the start of the, the prelogue or, or whatever it was where you've got... Um, he comes out of the, the, the island or Atlantis or whatever it was. Mm. So it's, it's... I think he's the devil incarnated. But I think he is different to the Arab Interhep dude. 
So he's right, a right. separate, different magical I think so, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, they... I just call him Rat Guy. I reckon it's a bit like a rat. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the long nose and pointy ears. Isn't he? Yeah. Splinter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and they haven't crossed paths yet, have they? So no, not. I guess well, that's what's confusing me about. Um, they might have in the past that we haven't read about, but yeah, what we've been led to show, I don't think they have. Actually, on but, that on that same page, page. Oh, oh sorry, if you're going to keep going back. No, no, you go, mate. Um, just thought about being a prude or whatever. Have you got the the issue right there, Dan? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did Is just notice the, the poster. Sent- in- yeah, the poster in the writer's sent- room. It's called yep. um, Inspiration. The sooner the sooner these Phantom Kids um, ep- um, issues start coming out, the better we'll be, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Oh, I must admit, it's um. It's a tricky one when you've got artists showing bits of boobs and stuff like that because as an adult, it's probably not much of an issue. But mm. when you've got your kids, especially because you've got boys, when you're wanting to get your boys into collecting and reading the comics as well, it can become a bit of an issue then. Yeah, and, and you think that you know, the fandoms are, are safe you know, we'll, we'll use inverted comics, right? a, a safe comic. You're not going to have um, too much nudity and, and, and things like that. Um, and and like Dan said, not a prude or anything, but um, and you know, censorship. What is it? Not it's word. a dirty word, censorship. I know, and so, and I and I don't want to use it, but it's uh, parental. Um, uh, Discretion or something, and you mm. and you really got to use it. And um, so in, in this case, with anything, yeah, that's why they have classifications even on video games. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, what you're going to have to do is you're just going to have to read the comic, get a get an art light pen, and put on bikinis on the girls, <laughs> and then give it to your children to read. That's what my mum used to do with my um with my dad's surfing magazine. <laughs> well, you know, I used to turn the bikinis into one pieces and give them hairy legs. And <laughs> I, I remember um, back in Jim Shepherd's day, um, like ad, he would add more leaves or more bubbles or something to. to... But then he wouldn't do it. Yeah, and he—it's he, he, it, like he had two rules. Like, yeah. It was almost like he had a rule when Judith was in the office, and then a rule when Judith wasn't <laughs> in the office. Well, actually, to give um, just to give the website another plug, and here's another reason yeah. why people should be patronising it. Um, the uh, uh, the interview with Jim Shepard that Joe did back in 2006, definitely. Um, they talk about censorship, and Jim does talk about why he does and doesn't did and did not uh, censor censor different stories. Because mm-hmm. like there was, um, I can think of a couple. There was our four ones, you know, 1,111, The Secret Agent. You've got the girl, this is kind of, you know, making it sound like, you know, I used to read the comics and I know where the boobs are and stuff like that. But <laughs> What page was it on exactly, Jim? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was the secret agent, Chastity Dark, or whatever her name, she was in the bath. There's a boob in that one. There's the kingdom, 
uh, of the Amazons, which was, this is really making me sound bad, but I really did like the story. So 993, <laughs> there was, you know, it depicted Amazons riding bareback with no, with no, um, no tops on. And then you've got another one in the, where you've got a whole bunch of pirate, um, female pirates and the way they subdue the people they're about to board is they take their tops off and all of the other people that they're attacking are dumbfounded and too busy looking and fighting. But then you have censorship where they censor up a guy who's who they've clearly shown that he's doing a pee against a wall. So it's like, where where does it go? You know, and Jim seriously, Seriously, he had two he had two sets of rules, two sets of rules. So I don't know. I don't think there's an answer for that one. I reckon. I think you almost have to. You almost have to just leave it as it is, and maybe you got to put a message in the fandom or message from the publisher or parents just need to read them be first. Yeah. yeah, be a parent. Stop letting other people mm. trying to raise a child, and you actually do it yourself. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, at least uh, um, with the with the replica series, that's something that you know you can definitely <laughs> handle, and uh, there's nothing going to be too shocking in there. <sighs> Another positive for the replicas, Jermaine. I reckon. I reckon. So have you gone? So this is issue 1760, which is uh, Collector's yeah. Replica Series number eight, and as we know, they're counting down the original issues, and then. This issue, they're from 1960. So we start with uh, 178, 177, and then 176. Jermaine, all yours. <laughs> well, look, I think anyone that is knows anything about this podcast knows my, my opinions about this. Now, in the past, um, I must say, I still love, I love the cover. I love how thick it is. And the colour inserts are a lot brighter this time around than previously. Um, now, in the past, I've talked about uh, Egmont collections, which are in the hardcover and stuff. Now, I don't want to go on for another five, ten minutes talking about it because everyone knows my opinion. But what I've done, which will be included with the podcast, so when you um, go onto the website and look at it, there will be a video what I've done is I've actually got a couple of those books and flipped through them so people people who haven't seen them or don't have them in their collection can actually have a bit of an idea of what I'm talking about and how, in my opinion, just my opinion, how Fru should have handled these replica series. So that's all I'm going to say about it, unless you've asked me any other questions. <laughs> Okay, so so in, in this series, uh, the issues that they cover, we've got um, the Thuggies, um, which I think is a um, a reprint even for, for back then. Um, 177 was Romance and the Vesta Pirates, and 176, great story. and 176 is Little Tommy or Little Tommer. Um, it's it's telling story. it's telling though that. Um, they are all great stories, but for, for Romance and the Vesta Pirates to fit inside 177, um, and then when Jim published the, the whole thing in its entirety, I think it ran into a book of about 100 pages uh, all by itself. It's telling how 
how truncated they were in, in those days. Mm. And, and again, just just out of sequence, like this is apparently part two of the story. Um, we don't have part one or three on either side of it. And, and, and that's my criticism about, or one of my criticisms about this. Like, yeah, I prefer to read, I want, like, I like the old stories. I like to read them in their entirety. Um, also, I think I've said it before, but counting down backwards, let's say you got a two-part of story. Um, do you read part two first, or you have to go to the middle of the comic, read part one, and then go to the front of the comic and read part two? It just, a little bit confusing. In, in and and my book. this is a classic example too, because issue 178 is the Thuggies part one. Issue yeah. 179, which was in Replica series number seven, was 170 uh, was the Thuggies part two. So those two could have been put together, um, and and you get the whole story in one go. But that will be out of order. Well, yes. Well, yeah. the older going back. <laughs> anyway, go go look at the video, and then let us know what you think, fans. What did you guys think of the video? Now I know my video recording skills aren't the best. This was done before I went to work, so you know. But like, did it? Did the video help? Because I'm assuming you don't have any of those hardcover collections in your collection. So did it help? understand what I've been talking about in the past podcasts? You go, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go first, yeah. Um, <laughs> it certainly did for me um, because I didn't, um, I didn't really have a grip on, on what you were talking about um, before, so now, now I do have a good understanding of what's being produced over there. Um, whether that, I think that's what Fru should do or not, I'm not sure. Like... Um, uh, they're, they're beautiful books, there's no doubt about that, um, but if Fruit produced them, they, that sort of book probably doesn't have a place being issue 1760 or anything like that. It, it would need to be a standalone, separate separate yeah. thing. Um, whether whether things like what Hermes Press is producing and the Sunday and the, the daily books that they're producing have got that covered, um, I'm not sure. Um, That's a good point. And the and, and just the price of it, and I know you, you let us know that it was only the $20 Australian, um, but and, and this is, what's the cover price here? $9.50. So I suppose uh, for, the, for the dollars there in terms of the hardcover and the articles that you showed us and all the rest of it, you probably are getting value for money. Um, but there are people who like these replica series. Sammy J talked about it last last podcast. Um, a lot of the older fans, the Forkists, these are the ones that they actually read. Um, so, I, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I I think I think that Fruits started, so they almost you know they're almost painted in a corner where they had to continue. Um, and. You know, I think it's good that they don't, you know, they only, I think they've got to go down to the point where they only do a couple, you know, a couple a year. Well, the, I did some maths on this and crunched some numbers. Um, it's been two years now since they started the replica series when Steve Shepard was, um, he kicked them off. Um, since So two years, we're down to issue uh, 176. At this rate, it's going to take another 14 years to get to, um, collect a series number, whatever it is, that'll get us to um, issues three, two, and one. So if, if we slow the rate down, it's going to take even longer. 
it's it's an interesting conundrum that Frew have been mm. left with by Steve Shepard. And, uh, yeah, the slip cases are, are, are wonderful, but is that going to sustain them? Um, I don't so know. We all gotta buy, we're going to buy about, what, 100 slip cases? Well, your first one must be nearly full now that we're up to number eight. <laughs> I love Jamal's um, maths. <laughs> 200 issues, um, 100 slip cases. I thought you put <laughs> 10 issues in a slip case. <laughs> no, 100 sounds better than, you know. <laughs> 10 or 20. Yeah. Anyway, I reckon let's... Uh, I reckon we need to move on and talk about yep. more interesting things. Okay. Like well, lots. well, if you got, if you just happen to have your replica series there, um, Jermaine, and you just open up the back I do, cover, mate. I do. You open up the back cover. What? What? what this will be the first time he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I took Anything the photo. Remember, guys? <laughs> I took the photo and showed you guys when I got it. When I got the subscription. I'm sorry, that was a bit. Well, I have opened it before. <laughs> I haven't read anything else, but I have opened it. So, so what is it that drew you to the back cover, Jermaine? Well, um, the Phantoms world, the Phantoms world. Now, we made mention of it in a post on Chronicle Chamber. Um, what was it about a week or so ago? Um, where basically, if you know, you read for those who haven't got the replica or like me, get it, throw it in the pile, and move on. Basically, it's new from Fru in issue 1761 of The Fan will be the debut of The Phantom as well. This series will feature fan stories from all over the world, Italy, Germany, Brazil, Turkey, and more. They've either been published in... They have never been published in English before or never been published before, period. You'll see long-forgotten gems from the 60s and the 80s, plus brand-new stories with art and covers by the likes of Felmang, Todoro... Uh, that guy and that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioned especially by Fru, Phantom's World will be published on a quarterly schedule that will be, but will be included in the regular Phantom series issuing number. So that way, if you're a subscriber, you won't miss out. Now, the next one is Venus of the Jungle, which has got that, it's an amazing cover, um, which, uh, looks like it almost features the, um, you know those birdmen of Gandor? Mm. That's what they kind of look like. But um, this was the story that you were commenting before where it was created, what, in the 60s and then the artist is doing a cover for it now. So I guess the best way to describe it is earlier in the year we got that uh, Felmang story, which was his first story he ever created with... And it was the first time it was ever been published in English. So it's going to be like that. I guess that's probably the best way to describe it is it's stories that haven't been around, that we've never seen. Um, the art will be different because it was created, you know, from the 60s to the 80s and they're from around the world. Uh, um, and sometimes they might not even be the best. But I, I think it's a great concept. What do you guys think about the concept? Oh, I think it's fantastic. Um, and also, you know, they say it's going to be quarterly, so you know, we'll, we'll get for a year. Um, but they've already got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe nine covers mm. by the looks of things already produced. And mm. I think they're fairly interesting. Like the one um, on the, the top left corner, um, Operation Brazil, has the Phantom in, in his red and yellow um, garb. 
Um, looks like he's got a tattoo on his chest or something. Um, but also... He's a skull on his chest. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, but also, his mask, can you see eyes? Like, it's not whited out as, as it usually is. Mm. It just seems to have that, um, you know, there might be eyes there. Um, so, it's obviously something that they've done a lot of planning for, um, and put a lot of thought into. Um, but I also noticed that, uh, Fountains World number two is issue, it looks like 1759. And, well, that one's been and gone, so, um. I think they're, they're clearly mock-ups because that, that yeah. number two you talk, Talking about there on the left, the the one on the same level on the right is also number two. So yeah. um, whether yeah. these actually turn out to be the covers that we see over the next year, year and a half, or whatever remains to be seen, I suppose. But it's a, it's yeah, I, the covers are gorgeous. Um, mm. Now, what do you guys think about having Australian through comics with different colour phantoms on it? Is that is that an issue for you guys, or is it kind of like seeing it's part of the fandom's world? Excuse me, part of the fandom's world. It's kind of excusable. Oh, it's definitely excusable. It's definitely, I, I reckon it's a great concept. Mm, I agree. Yeah, no, Dan, I, I like as a focused. I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm prepared to let this one go. Um... <laughs> I'm sure Thriller, I'm sure Dudley and Renee and uh, he was sweating on that sleep, it, sleep so much better. <laughs> Every night, like, oh, Dan likes it. He's okay. Dan's okay. With it. Yeah. No, I, I think as as Stephen said, as as the um as a bit of a not a one off. Obviously, if they're going to do it regularly throughout the year, but um as something special about here's how the Phantom looks around the world. Uh, I would I would hope that for the most part he's still in purple because that's who the Phantom is, and that mm-hmm. he's the only um he's the only costumed hero that is purple uh, you know there's lots of reds there's oh, lots of blues and marble. I don't know what you're talking about um, <laughs> did Lee Falk write those I don't know one of the questions that I had about it I suppose and, and it harkens back to what we were just saying about the slipcases do you think there'll be a, a Phantom's World slipcase type thing mm-hmm. issued as well to, to assemble these things in and um... if there is um, between between the replicas, which you're supposed to put in the slipcases, and I don't know if people are doing that or not, um, and if the Phantom's World ends up with slipcases, and, and if Phantom Kids comes out and does that have slipcases, um, <laughs> what does that ideas. do for someone don't who's... Ideas. <laughs> <laughs> what does that do for a collector who's as anally retentive as I am, who wants to keep them all in order, um, and, and have my 1658, 59, 60, 61 all, all gathered together neatly in their, in their folders or their... Um, Boxes or whatever it is people are doing. Um, do we need? It's a, it's an, a, that's a problem for collectors, not for fruit. But it's, uh, it's a conundrum, and, I, and I'm with you on, on that as well. Like I like them all nice and neatly in my order. There, hmm. do I, um, I'll go and put them in a, a, a slipcase and take them out of the order and put them on my shelf. Or I don't know. But that then there's gaps a... in your collection. Well, that's right. <laughs> I think it raises a good point. Is anyone actually using the slipcase for the Phantoms collectors? Or are they like me and brought two, put one together and displayed it, and then kept one flat? I think that's a, a great thing for someone to hit us up on the Phantom Collector web's, uh, Facebook page or the Chronicle Chamber fan page and, and let us know, how are you actually using your slipcases? Does anyone actually put their replica series, one through to eight so far, in, in its slipcase and, and store it up there on the shelf. 
Well, according to some propaganda released by Frew, I do do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've cradled it like it's your own child from what I've seen. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the love and affection that he, that he has for that sort of thing. Like I said, propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, but no, you raise a good point. Now, I don't do it. I keep him in the... Like I said, I, I, I don't. But... Um, I don't. I don't imagine many people actually using the slipcases. That I, I suppose if you're the sort of person who's only buying the replicas and you and you don't yeah, like the, the the Remethys and the um, the Egmonts, um, and so you don't pick those ones up, and you're not a subscriber, so you're not and you're not a completist, which I, it sounds like we are. Um, maybe that's not bothering you, and you just like the idea of seeing these these all up in your bookshelf and, and collecting the, the first two hundred uh, frues as a replica series. <laughs> yeah, so no, we'll have to put up a Facebook post, I reckon, and see if anyone is doing it. Do some market research for free. Um, <laughs> they can pay us some free crew badges. <laughs> <laughs> it's disappointing that there's only one of those gone to the podcast crew so far, don't you think, Stephen? I, I, I think so, yeah. So we need, just need to come up with better ideas or help them out with something. Yep. Well, Phantom Swelled Slipcases. There you go, Dudley. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stevens could be Phantom's Kid Slipcases. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or slipcases for um, anniversary specials. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh I love your segue, mate. <laughs> I, I didn't know whether whether to use the uh, the Phantom's Well as a segue. Or, oh, no, here we go. Some slipcases. So after our Phantom's World um, issue, which is, uh, was it 1760? One, two. Um, we'll be seeing the 80th anniversary special. Woohoo! About time. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of um, well chatter about this on, a, on on social media. When's it going to come out? Are they ever going to do it? Um, but I think you, you've was it Dan or, or Jermaine? I can't remember who said think of it as an 80th year rather than just an 80th day. That or, was me. Yeah, that's true. And I like I like that concept too, um, but it's interesting with the um, with the 80th anniversary issue. Um, they haven't gone down the fork line. They've gone they've, they've taken the well the Phantom's World line if if you like. So we've got mm. stories from Yugoslavia, Italy, Germany, Turkey, Brazil, Sweden, uh, Norway, um, plus the King's Cross connection from Australia, which hasn't been published in a number of years, um, plus. A pro story from Brazil, Demons in the Deep Woods. Um, there's a colouring competition, decade by decade, an 80-year retrospective by Phantom historian Barry Stubberfield, uh, the Phantom Gallery Series promo tra- trading card. Now, that's of interest. Um, and there's an introduction by Egmont editor Andreas Eriksson. Eight decades, eight stories, eight countries. I think that's a great concept. I like I like that, um, which includes seven foot. Yeah, and I've already said about the but the foreign language ones. Um, so, fellas, what, what do you reckon? Anybody you go, Jim. That first? Um, well, it seems like I'm just in love with everything they do these days, but I actually quite like this. Now, um, I, some of these stories I know of, like I know of the Yugoslavian one, Um and it was kind of funny, it was when this was released, there was about three or four people going, oh, sweet, you've saved me trying to translate that into English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now, I must admit, I never knew that Turkey actually produced their own stories. So um, that one was of interest to me. Um, of those Norway ones, I've got those. Um, now, I'm assuming the Swedish one, which was 2016, I'm assuming that's just a, like, a, um, uh, like a regular news story. It seems but, that um, way, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, with the year and stuff. Um, and I love, like, the, the pluses. I love, you know, I love that we get a prose story. It'll be interesting how that will be received because would it be the first prose story released by free, you reckon? I think it would be. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how the comic book fans go to reading a story that's got no pictures. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is the coming in competition. So does that mean, like, for you, Dan, you've got two kids. Or no, have you got three. two or three? Yeah, three. Three kids. So does that mean you're going to have to buy four copies? You know, well, one at, for at, all the kids <laughs> to enter and then one that you keep in the original shrink wrap and stuff yeah, like that? At, at 20 bucks a pop, I'm not sure that I'm going to come at that. But I'm, I'm hopeful. Back in, the, back in the day, you used to have to cut the, the coupons out and all the rest of it to, to enter. Um, but then companies started to wise up and, and allow photos copies so i'm hopeful that um Fru might let you just photocopy whatever page it is for the coloring in page and and yeah. uh let the kids send that in now like because with i wonder if it's like the free crew badge where they said that you know they favor young kids and stuff like that we've all got young kids <laughs> have you been sharpening so... your coloring pencils have you <laughs> <laughs> well surprisingly she's um she's just been brought some pencils so i'm thinking i might have to get a little bit uh Little Miss, uh, twenty-month-year-old, to uh, enter in a first Phantom competition, and then hope that that uh, favors, you know, like the Fruit Crew badge, where they favor the younger kids. Uh, you know, I kind of hoping that it will work in the same way that, you know, and I can, t you know, maybe get like a nice photo of it doing it, a nice Phantom shirt with a, you know, a little Phantom knitted doll. You know, totally milk it for what it's worth. <laughs> um, and it's probably worth um, noting. So uh, it was twenty dollars, I think uh, we mentioned. Um, yeah. But there's going to be some um, some color stories in there, and um, yes. this is from Fru's Facebook page. Um, ones that are going to be in color are the new Swedish story, uh, Nuclear Terror, and the two Nut Westard Norwegian stories, and the German story, if you count red as being a color. So those who haven't haven't seen a German uh, Phantom before, um, instead of using black ink, they use red. Yeah. Well, see, this, this will be an interesting thing. Like you said about the Phantom's World and the covers, of, and, and I, I'm not sure that I would like to see an entire okay. interior story where he's the blue or the red. I think um, for a cover and those Phantom Worlds, yeah, yeah, maybe. But I, I don't know. I've only just, I'm only just thinking about that now, about whether the interior stories, I want to read an entire story where he's red. I, I'm not sure that... Or um, blue. Yeah. Sweden and Norway. Yeah, like I if think... it's the Swedish or the... Yeah, no, I, 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 I hope that he's purple. With the German story, have you seen a German story? Yeah, I have, as, as Stephen says, yeah, with the red ink instead of the... Instead so of black. It's, yeah, I think that will work okay. But For sure. Personally, I, I think the... Maybe we should put up uh, an example of what a German story kind of looks like for people who want to listen to this. Um, I'll dig one out or something like that. But I think with the Sweden and the Norwegian stories, I think they have to be in purple, which 
one which is going to increase the, and I think this this might be the reason why it's twenty dollars. One, we've got stories in color, which means you know it's more costlier. You've got a lot of translating. You've got what? How many? Seven stories that need to be translated, and then if they're having to to turn the the blue phantom into a purple phantom, um, it's going to be a bit of extra time involved with that as well. And then also, which is not explained on the Facebook post, but Glenn, when we kind of pressed him and um, threatened him with the sing mark um, or the skull mark, is he has told us that there will be some embossing on the cover as well, which is rather exciting. Yeah, so so that all adds up, and I think that the twenty dollar it, it's probably would it be double the the what's a, what's an an annual special for now? Yeah, they're up to fourteen now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as a subscriber, you lose track right. of that, but yeah. So it's only from fourteen dollars to twenty dollars. I don't really think it's like when you see twenty bucks, like it's like oh wow, that's ten. Ten dollars more than the normal annuals, but the annuals aren't ten dollars anymore. So no, you're, I think you're still we're still used, used to them being ten dollars, even though they're not. Yeah. yeah, I think we're a little bit stuck in the nineties still. Yeah, <laughs> I still have to try and find that extra two bucks when the you know comics are three dollars fifty now instead of dollar fifty. They've been three dollars fifty for a while, mate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, Dan, as our um, podcast forecast, how did you handle the news that there was no um, fork stories? I I tried to tone it down a bit on the the article that, <laughs> that I put on Chronicle Chamber, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not particularly delighted about that. Uh, it, it, it's The Phantom is 80 years old because 80 years ago... Lee Fork created it. That's you know, um, I think there needed to be a Lee Fork story in there. It, it only seems fair. Now I know, and, and as I've said, that Barry Stubbersfield is going to have a editorial in there as well, where he discusses the history. And he's a he's a firm forkist, and there's no doubt that he'll he'll pay tribute to Lee Fork in in the best possible way. But should you know, no story being in there, I th- it is disappointing. Um, yeah. Which I think story it, would you include? Well, if, you, if you're worried about reprints and, and people like Jermaine having a, a bellyache, then you'd probably just go, well, what's the, what's the fork story that was reprinted the, the, the longest time ago? So whatever that was. You could include a, a short little one like, um, like Copter Pirates that's only five pages long, you know, if, you, if you're worried about space and you don't want to... But other, otherwise, you could go for any of the, any of the classics. Um, a Ray Moore or a Wilson McCoy, probably. Um, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's a shame you, that there's no Lee Fork at all. Yeah. Would you um, would you rather see something like this where you're getting new stories, or would you rather a special with eight Lee Fork stories? Well, we're and... not. No, no, no. I, I like the concept of around the world, and that does celebrate the character being um, global and and yeah. celebrate the, the the that international reach that he's got. But we're not getting. Eight brand new stories. King's Cross Connection is in there. Um, yeah. it, it's from 1999. I just looked up when it was the last time it came out. So a lot of people will be reading that for the first time, and that's that's wonderful. It'll be great for um, Jim Shepard to have some of his work read. 
Um, you know, is, and the that's point nice. you're making is that if there's a King's Cross King's Cross story which was last printed in 1999, surely there, you know, and if you go, so there is a reprint. It's not a new story. That's right. So, so why was that reprint not a Lee Fork, um, which would have made more sense story. to me? Yeah. So because I think I think now you know, and I, I tend to give you fork us a bit of hard time but i must say i am kind of sitting on the fence with this one and i think that you know i think adding a leaf fork story instead of the king's cross and then maybe you know i don't know putting a couple of articles in or about leaf fork you know maybe getting glenn ford to write a quick article about what it was like when he met leaf fork or you know something along the those lines as well. I think that would have kept the Forkers happy. Um, and, yeah. And and we'll see. I'll, I'm sure I'm, I'm absolutely going to pick this up, obviously, and I'm sure I'm going to really enjoy it. But um, as as the special um, for the 80 years, um, it'll be... I, I hope I'm... I'm I hope I, I see Lee Fork uh, paid the recognition that is due. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure, like... like Said, I'm sure Barry would do a great job. He is, you know, a focused, a tree focused. Hmm. Um, so yeah, what do you think about it, Steve? The whole, um, the whole issue, the whole special. The whole special, I reckon, is going to be. I'm really looking forward to it coming out. Um, if if they're going to include a, a fork, I, I would have included the first story. Um, it's a hundred and hundred on pages, mate. Oh, no, well, expand the pages. You're already getting 20 bucks out of this. You can make it 25 and, and put another thing, put the first story in. Um, but that, that, that's just me. Um, other than that, I, I think it's a, a wonderful idea, and, and um, I'm looking forward to, um, to getting my nose in it. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, um, I'm looking at the at British Facebook at the moment. Um, so our current issue is the, is the Replica series. Our next issue is Phantom's World. Um, now I've heard another train that says that the 80th anniversary is coming out after the uh, Phantom's Well, but um, Fru have put down a whole list of their um, covers coming up, and there's another issue between Phantom's Well and, and the 80th. Has, has that been changed, or um... I think because for those who don't know, we got a preview image, and then I think the preview image we got had the wrong. Um, number on it. So I think it is The Phantom's World, then that other issue, which has got the cover by Jamie Johnson, and then it's the, um, then it's the 80th special. Yeah. Just, and just looking at the little, can I see a little thumbnail sketch of that, um, well not sketch, but, you know, vision of that, of that Jamie Johnson cover, that looks magnificent. That, that cover there with the Phantom and the bad guy there, that, um, he actually, see that. Jamie actually posted that on his Facebook, uh, two weeks ago, maybe, and um, he's really chuffed with it himself, and uh, was pretty was pretty proud of it. And he um, uh, actually put up that and the Hermes Press uh, image that he did, and also the one for the jam cover, and just um, put those all up together. And yeah, he's quite he's quite taken with uh, with the Phantom and um, how his art is coming along and how people are receiving it. I think he's um, I think he's become quite enamoured with the purple guy. Hmm. As one does. Yes. So I think something else that um, kind of slipped when no one's really made mention when they've looked at the AM special 
is that we're going to get a new card series, guys. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I, I briefly touched on it. I was waiting for someone to, um, to, to run with it, but yeah. Now, how exciting is that? Oh, that's, yeah, that is absolutely going to... Now, that's going to take me back to the teenage years of trying to, um, oh, you know, pick up the <laughs> pick up the little pack of six cards and which ones have you got this week? And um, yeah, that's that's going to be unreal. So the way to do it is you just buy two boxes. You keep one box unopened because that's what you've got to do as a completist, and then you open the other one and then you just save up those pennies. And so when everyone else lists them on eBay or on Phantom Collective saying that they've got this spare one and this spare one of the Chase cards, that's when you just go crazy. <laughs> how, how much would a box usually go for there, Jermaine? Um, well, picking them up now, you're looking at anywhere between 60 to to 100 bucks. But what about the, the... Oh, I mean, it's pure speculation, I suppose, as to what a new series might cost um, per packet <laughs> or per box or anything like that. Well, that's it. And, um, you know, where would you buy them from and all that as well. Now... I have been told that uh, there will be a bit more of an announcement on that soon. So by the time this goes live, it might have already might have from, already happened. From Fru or by a different company or? Um, yeah, I'm not really no, I'm not really sure if I can comment on that yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think if if you do a bit of Facebook searching you'll find out who the artist who is going to be doing the card series that's what Estab- i would say an established phantom artist or a new one an established phantom artist okay um I'm, I'm being vague on purpose because i'm not sure if i can actually make comment of it yet um so yeah. no i think that's enough to go on if people know who their favorite artists are and, and artists who might have drawn cards before and um, if that's not enough for them to go for a bit of a Facebook research, then yeah. bloody hell, become a stalker. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you might end up becoming uh, best mates with them and, and uh, becoming nerds together. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> but, um, um, yep. sorry, what were you going to say, Steve? Oh, I didn't know if you were still going with the promo cut. I'm just trying to find as much info as I can. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's great. Like, I've got heaps of questions like, you know, are, are they going to be sold in comic book stores? How do you get a hold of them? Are they going to come with a cover? Are you going to be able to, um, or do you buy them complete as a set, like with the Chase cards? Are they Chase cards? Um, you know, and all the of those folder, There needs to be yeah, a folder. folder. What do you mean? Um, so I reckon it's great. Um, I'm sure my wallet is not going to like it. And probably neither will the wives saying, What? More stuff you gotta buy. How um, old are you? Yeah. <laughs> I got how many kids? I got the kids and then you as well. <laughs> we all laughing because these are all things our wives have actually said to us. It's funny because um, it's true. <laughs> but um no, I I've been um now I'm not completely sure. I hope it is going to be a conclusion or the next part to some of the stories that have already been started in the card series. So that would be nice if that is the case. Yep. Yes, well, that, that would be playing the long game. What are they? They'd be 15, 20 years old too. 20 years old they'd be. Yeah. My patience. <laughs> Something you can learn as a Phantom fan. 
it took us how many years? Twenty years to get Heart of Darkness. It takes us twenty years to maybe get the complete, you know, complete story of the uh, of the of the cards, and then you've got the phone cards stories as well that we need to get the um, completion of as well. This <laughs> a lot of um, ends to tie up. Yeah, a lot of ends to tie up. Um, also in the um, in the anniversary special, there's a um, a new competition for Merchant Wise with uh, Phantom prizes valued at over eight hundred dollars. So, um, so uh, Merchant Wise, my understanding is that they they are the company that works um, with anyone who wants to license King Features products. You might know more about that, Jim. Is that is that right? I believe so. They also did the Phantom competition in the annual. I think it was. Um, where the, you know that young kid yes. won it. Yes. So again, the young kid won it. You know, but they very, very <laughs> favour these young kids. So I, I'm thinking, you know, you have to get all your fandom collection, stick the kid in the middle, you know, make him look cute, make him look like a huge fan fan, even though they can't even say the word. And you know, I reckon we're on a winner. One of the best things about having, you know, cute kids. <laughs> might as well start making them, you know, might as well make, make you know, them do yeah, something well, yeah. useful. <laughs> well, I'll just have to use the middle child then because the other two are not as cute, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, mate. You can't be in it. You're ugly. <laughs> no, we're trying to win here. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do it for the team. <laughs> well, it would be interesting because, um, oh, you know, I think it said eight hundred dollars worth of prizes. That's a that, that's a, a fair that that's a what's that a hundred collector series? Um, so a <laughs> hundred replicas. <laughs> oh, it's, well, it could even be one of those uh, fan on the heroes statues with you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it, I think it's great that you know it would be what three competitions, four including the collective uh, the fruit badge, you know in three quarters of a year. So no, I reckon it, it's it's great. It's a good time to be a young kid collecting the fandom. Excellent. And and as you said earlier, yeah, Jim, like the, the fruit don't you know rents notwithstanding, I'm loving what Fru's doing at the moment and, mm. and I've said before that every time I go and pick up a Fru or, or open the, the the envelope um, as it comes to the mailbox, I'm excited to, to see what I might find. It's not their fault that Ramirthi's gone on a bloody psycho tangent with what he wants to do with his Phantom. Um, they just published the story. We've discussed that story already, mate. I know, I'm, I'm letting it go. This is me letting it go. By holding on to it just a little bit. <laughs> By, by letting Dudley know that I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, I'm sure... Come on, Steve. Uh, Run us in, Steve. Run us in, okay. Steve. We'll move on. Now, uh, there was a post um, that Joe did. Joe, he doesn't get on the podcast that often now, but he, he's still very, very active. And um, he uh, made a post about the Phantom and Mandrake video game. I had no idea about this until I, until I read his article. Um you guys, were you in the same boat no, or heard about no it? No idea. I knew about it before the article because he, you know, he told me, he told us about it. But um, I must admit, I still haven't read the article. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're ahead it's, on that one. I've actually read that one too. <laughs> it's um, you almost need an hour just to be able to read it and 
and look at all the links and it's very very detailed he's done a great job doing um researching it and putting that together well joe does love his video games and um and he loves his phantoms. So uh, when those two worlds collide, um, and and to hear to get a sniff that there was something out there, and and then for him, like massive, uh, ma- massive hats off to what Joe's been able to achieve there in terms of actually getting something that resembles a fairly playable game. Um, I haven't downloaded it myself, but um, uh, there are there are people on Facebook who have, and and the way that they're talking about it to. You know, so so if, if you if you're into your your games and you've got some time, um, get on to Chronicle Chamber and have a look at that um, uh, Phantom and Mandrake video game story and download the the ROMs that Joe's put up there and uh, all the rest of it. It um, uh, it's it's a fantastic job he's done there. Mm, definitely. Well done there, Joe. Um, and our next point, um, bit of a crossover here, Phantom and Dick Tracy. Now, I heard about this a little while ago. You shared this, shared this with me, Jermaine. Um, do you want to read this one? Yeah, um, it took me that long to actually get around to putting it up. <laughs> I probably um, Well, I got a heads up from uh, Andreas Erickson, um, who's the Egmont um, editor at the moment. Um, so he told me about it off when it first came out, but I've been slack. Um, so we've only just put it up recently, but I must admit, I, I the whole um, I'm not a Dick Tracy fan. So reading Dick Tracy and the only the only exposure to Dick Tracy I've ever had was the movie and the four or five panels that I've read with with the fandom in it. So I didn't know that there was a whole sci-fi element to Dick Tracy and the reason why his granddaughter has got antennas is because she is a Martian from, you know, the moon. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know that. That kind of threw me for a little bit. But besides all of that, I loved the way that the artist drew the Phantom. It was very mysterious. It was um, very much in the shadows. Yeah, it was very much in the shadows, and that's how I've always seen the Phantom as, you know, as someone who's in the shadows, someone who's not. A little secretive or mysterious, and I thought that the artist did a very good job in, mm. in doing it that way. I really liked that too, and and it as a, a bit of a side step, I suppose, but um, it reminds me of um, what someone, one of the articles you posted about the uh, empty throne, what people have been saying about that, that the the moment you'll know which of the twins or whatever, when that when that change into them being the Phantom happens, will be when you no longer see their face and you can't see their eyes and and, and they, in that sense, disappear and, and hide behind the mask. Um, because that's who the Phantom is. Um, mm. Someone someone who is in the shadows and, and you, you don't you don't see them. Yeah, that, that's that's right. And um but I'm kind of interested about the um the last panel in, the, in this uh, series here. Dick Tracy's quite the um, quite the detective because um, he knows about the Phantom legacy. You know, about each member of yes. each generation um, assumes the role of the legendary crime fighter. So um, so somehow he knows about it. So I'm, I'm guessing that uh, Kit and and Dick were were mates back in college or in high, <laughs> high school, and uh, we just didn't know about it back then. Um, but they both had a um, had an interest in fighting, fighting crime. Um, 
but yeah, no. I'm, when I originally saw this, well, it was a month or so ago when you, when you first brought my attention to it. You know, um, it was great. And I remember um, I haven't read Dick Tracy in, in years, but he used to be in the um, in the Sunday paper down here, and um, I used to. Uh, it must must been just after uh, the movie came out, and I'd and I'd read it every week. But um, yeah, it's been a long time since I, since I've read one, so it was nice touching back with um, with old Mr. Tracy. Mm. And it's a nice touch to what King Features are doing, where they've like we've had was it Mary Worth or something yeah. in one of the stories before. Um, now I'm not sure if any of the other King Features characters have crossed over with others, but this is the second time we've had a King Features crossover with the Phantom. But, but is Dick Tracy um, uh, King Features? I believe so. I haven't seen it on their on their website. That's all. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I thought he was. Um, well, I kind of hope he is because it kind of makes my point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point that I was trying to make um, <laughs> before he burst my bubble is that um, it's a great idea having the King Features characters cross over with each other because it allows, hopefully, cross-readership. So... Um, you know, like it, it, you know, it, like you said, you haven't read a Dick Tracy for a while. You know, so then it's it, not saying it's going to be the case for you, but it might be the case for others, someone else that's like, oh, I haven't read Dick Tracy for a while, and they might try and dig out some Dick Tracy comics or mm. and start reading that as well. So I think it's a a good ploy if it is a ploy and if it is done on purpose by Kim Features. Now it's it's a, um, Dick Tracy is actually syndicated by. Uh, Tribune Media Services. If I look at things here, so. Well, that's basically the same as King Features, isn't it? Oh, I've got no idea. Chicago <laughs> Tribune, New York News. <laughs> they would be 100% different companies. <laughs> yeah, of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting then why there has been a crossover there, and, and um, yeah, that's a, that's a weird one then. I'm just mm-hmm. a quick look on um, Wikipedia, but um, but I think me reading a um, a Wikipedia article in science is not good podcast, so, uh, podcasting. So, uh, so we might just um wrap her up there, unless you've got anything else to say, and I'll I'll get a chance to go through Wikipedia and do a bit of history, a bit of research on Dick Tracy. Oh, sorry. The the only thing that I was going to add was um just a comment about uh, Sal Valudo's post that he's put up up on Facebook recently, which was um. Uh, asking people to read read his post and respond to it with um, their memories of a story where the fandom has used wits or cunning or, or stratagem to uh, defeat a, or, or overcome a foe. Um, and the the prize there, if you you use if you give him a suggestion, and I think he wants a pretty specific suggestion in terms of a by the sense of it, an actual name of a story or an event that happened inside a particular story that he can find. But the prize there is that he, if he uses his your suggestion for whatever it is he's got up his sleeve, he'll send you some original signed artwork. So probably worth people putting their thinking caps on and, and going back through their their old forks. I think he would only accept Lee Fork stories for this, is my hunch. Um, would he? Because I was wondering that myself. I think so. go Fork or if you go Egmont. No, I think Lee Fork. Because there was a recent, I'm sure it was in the last couple of years, and 
pretty sure it's an Egmont story. It's a historical story, so Joe hasn't read it. Um, <laughs> where, uh, well, I don't want to give it away because I might enter it in the, in the competition, but I thought he used a great um, uh, bit of trickery there. Um, so I'm going to go the Egmont route and, and use that story. <laughs> well, you're not yeah. going to win because those aren't real history. <laughs> <laughs> So you can just scrub that when you edit it later. <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But no, I think it's it's worth doing, and it's good to see uh, like creators and that using the power of Facebook to connect with fans and stuff. Oh, it's a great it's a great medium when when used uh, properly. And we've all heard stories where it hasn't been um, used appropriately, but. Um, I, I think in this instance, and in many instances um, in the Phantom world, um, it's great for us to, to connect with each other and, and um, for the creators to connect with the fans. It's just been fantastic. Yep, agree. Okay. Um, anything else we want to put through? No. no. That's be, me. I, looking at the, um, at, at the run sheet at the, at the start of the show, I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be a nice quick one. I looked at <laughs> how long we've been going for, and uh, we had a lot to talk about about so few things. So um, take that as, as you will. Um, just a reminder uh, before we wrap up um, that if you like what we do and we can, um, you know, you like listening to three blokes who enjoy talking about a bloke who dresses up, dresses up in purple and fights baddies in the jungle for an hour and a half, it keeps on going for about an hour and a half, um, or hopefully less after I edit it. It's actually clicking over to about two hours now <laughs> that we've been talking. Um and you'd like to see more of it, and you'd like, like our, um, to see Chronicle Chamber uh, getting these exclusives from through and from around the world, please um, please help support us um, by making a donation via um, via Patreon. And I, and I gave the link earlier in the podcast, but I'll say it again. Uh, it's There's a, a button, if you're looking on a desktop, it's in the top right-hand corner. Um, I was having a look on my mobile phone earlier today, and that's right at the top there as a banner. Um, there are costs involved um, with uh, with the program, with um, the podcast. Uh, I won't go into nitty gritty, but it is hosted on a website, and there are certain fees that that they um, incur. And the same with the website. Um, nothing in the world is free, so if you if you could um, help us out there, it would be very much appreciated. Um, of course, you can get in contact with us through our social media links, um, Instagram, Google+, Twitter, and, of course, uh, the Facebook pages. Um, and once again, don't forget to let um, iTunes know that you reckon we're pretty good and give us a good rating on iTunes. Um, anything else there, fellas? No. Uh, Anyone Happy who wants reading, to... everybody. Yep, make sure you hit us up if you've got something you want to feature on Collector's Corner. Absolutely. And... Um, yeah, enjoy the fandom. Very good. See you later. Bye. Bye. I don't like the Egmont universe, Jermaine. Uh, but more on that later. Also, please don't forget to let the estate of Steve Jobs know how good we are and give us a give us some good ratings there on iTunes. Joining me as always from across the Nullarbor. Wow. There... <laughs> <laughs> don't stop up the intro. <laughs> Forty six episodes. That's pumped up. Probably the best introduction of X-Men ever. To be the best ever. <laughs> might just have to write them out, I think, from now on. Well, I'm copying paper for every other episode. Yeah. <laughs> well done, mate. Well. <laughs> uh, 
So Johnny you just Nibble, ruined that totally. It was We had to bring it back to the appropriate standard. Yeah, thanks. So uh, join me always are these two monkeys. Uh, one from across the number <laughs> the very smug Eagle supporter, Jermaine. How you going there, mate?